Hi, my name is Grant Campbell, and you're listening to Campbell's Footballs! Yes, so warm welcome to Campbell's Footballs, the only podcast where bad predictions are cancelled out by good crack. This week, I have a very special guest. I am joined by BBC Sport Northern Ireland commentator Michael Clark. And on this week's podcast, I'll be discussing with Michael his views about Northern Irish football, all the things that have made me interested in the last three years or so. I'll be discussing how Michael got into working for the BBC, and also his love for the Northern Irish League and its quirkiness and nature. I'll also be discussing with Michael his highlights of his commentary career, notably the Linfield against Carabag, along with many other incredible matches including with Northern Ireland. We'll also be discussing our predictions for the season and I'll be pitting my wits against Michael in his predictions, especially in this week's Danske Bank Premiership matches. On the only podcast where bad predictions are cancelled out by good crack, this is Campbell's Footballs, as always, in association with Toby Johnson Music. I've fallen out of the world again. I'm sick and tired of the conversation. Stuck in a row and I can't pretend. I'm happy to wait while nothing's changing. Someday when, someday when we get out of here, we can. So, Michael, a warm welcome to Campbell's Footballs. First of all, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for the invitation onto the programme. I'm, I'm very proud and, and honoured to have you on. And I've got to start by saying you're just back from Canada, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I was over in Vancouver for a, a friend's wedding. So uh, that's a nice excuse to go and explore parts of Canada. Beautiful country. Yeah, I'm very... Ve- yeah, I'm very jealous because Canada's on my bucket list of places to go to. Um, I'm delighted to have you on, Michael, and this is kind of the second instalment of my uh, kind of famous commentary people I've had on the podcast. Um, and I wanted to kind of just ask you, basically off the bat, what made you want to get into the media? It's uh, it's a sort of funny story, really. I, I didn't know that I wanted to um, in my early teens. But um, there was a local radio station that was on during the summertime and at Christmas time, and I went in one day. At, the, at this stage, my dad was the major sponsor of it. He owns a business in the town, and I went in with him just to kind of have a little nosy. And I was about fourteen, and I saw these really, you know, crazy characters having lots of fun in a radio studio. And I thought, oh, this is wonderful. Why, why would you want to do real work when you could do this? And it was kind of that little snapshot of seeing people interacts you know through the platform of radio that made me really curious about it and that's what sparked my interest and it was uh, approximately a year later when i got the opportunity at a, a different local radio station to get in and get on the airwaves as a co-presenter of a program um i was kind of the comic relief and <laughs> over time uh, over time somebody decided yeah, maybe give this kid his own show, but um, I tell you what, when you listen back to those old tapes, I wish they were destroyed, because it was uh, <laughs> certainly a lot squeakier voice, Grant, than I am today. 
Yeah, I think uh, I, I think what a lot of people sort of start out in 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 a vein like yourself there, but I know some people went to sort of community hospital radio or, or other ventures mm. like that, and it seems like a very interesting story to kickstart. That's for sure. Oh, it, they're phenomenal places because what happens is you're working with people who maybe have no experience. You're working with other people who are, you know, so experienced. So you've got a real smorgasbord of characters there alongside you and you've got these crazy stories and happenings and it's also where you make all of your mistakes and you do all of your learning Absolutely. so yeah. you know, year, years from now you, you, you look back and you go gosh I can't believe I ever said that or did that or thought this was a good item for a radio show but it's all part of the learning experience and I was very lucky, I'm 29 now, I was very lucky to start at 15 because it means that I've, I've just all this behind me already and uh, I, I still think I'm young, hope I am Well I'm only 28 so uh, <laughs> that, uh, that that puts something into perspective. So I, I'm quite uh, I'm quite pleased that we're actually talking on the same age range there. Now you uh, you currently work for the BBC, is that correct? Yeah, I'm a freelance football commentator, uh, primarily for the BBC, and have been since 2012. So mm -hmm. I cover the Irish League and, and all the various cup competitions and some League of Ireland matches as well. Mm -hmm. And you also have been involved in the Score NI, which is a show on Fridays on Lisburn FM. That's right, yeah. So um, my full-time job is the station manager of Lisburn's 98 FM, and we... I mean, even before I was the manager, before I worked there, uh, there was talk of starting up a sports show because this is a, a brand new station. Um, and when it launched, they were looking for people and somebody I knew said to me, do you want to come along and, and give this a go and we'll try a wee our sports show on a front, see if anyone likes it. And all these years later, I've taken over the show. We're to our program with a, a podcast attached to it and thankfully a bit of a following as well. So, um, and really what, what changed our fortunes and changed everything for that show was the, the day in our we said let's make this about the Irish League let's give them let's give the Irish League supporters something they just can't get anywhere else well, absolutely. a live radio show where they can debate things well I guess with a lot of these things it's just all about just advertising and just getting it out there and trying to get a cult following like you, like you said um, I was trying to look back on some of the old episodes of the score and I you've had some pretty big guests on haven't you <laughs> we have and we're I think we're like the underdogs. We love punching up of our weight. We love getting people on that people would wonder how we've got them first. You know, we've been lucky on occasion to have world exclusives and um, sometimes it's right place, right time, sometimes it's good contact. But mm -hmm. when you've got vice presidents of FIFA or some of the world's best footballers coming onto your programme, you know, you can you can only pinch yourself really. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's, it's fantastic and a great coup for yourselves. Um, I just wanted to ask you on the subject of uh, working on in commentary, were there any sort of um, father figures or, or kind of big characters that you looked up to when you wanted to work in commentary? You see, the funny thing was, and my, my parents remind me of this better than I recall it almost, but when I was very little, I used to commentate badly on computer games. <laughs> A bit like myself, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I just... I don't know, I, th I thought, you know, and on the Sega Mega there, there wasn't the commentary with it, and I thought, well, I'll give this a lash, and then, you know, I didn't know any better, I was five or six or seven, and... Um, I remember getting in trouble uh, screaming about <laughs> Stefan Tenberg and Davos Sucker and I think people were mishearing me and thinking I was saying some form of profanity, but um, <laughs> it started all the way back then, but it was 
Splendor Radio 5 Live and listening to people like Alan Green. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, from being from Northern Ireland and hearing a Northern Irish commentator on the BBC, it kind of gave me something to aspire towards because it didn't seem so far away then. Now, people following the, the Northern Irish League, um, you know, obviously look at Linfield as probably the, the, the big team and, and, and sort of everybody else share up. But that's not strictly true, is it? Because Crusaders have done really well in recent seasons. Cliftonville have obviously done well in Europe in the past. Coleraine. Um, is that, that is correct, I would say, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, historically Linfield and Glentoran are the, the two teams that even if you're not from Northern Ireland, you'll have heard of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Glentoran have suffered in fortune in recent Absolutely. years and, you know, Linfield have continued to be a, a powerhouse and you right point out the emerging forces in the league and you, you could even, you know, put a question mark beside Lauren and mm-hmm, Lauren Absolutely. one of those yeah. uh, sides with big investment from Kenny Bruce absolutely and and, and the Larn story we'll come on to in a, in a while I, I think is fantastic and they had a, a really good uh, result at the weekend against Institute but just carrying on with Linfield for a second uh, obviously had a really good run in the Europa League this year just losing out to Carabag on away goals what would that have done for the Northern Irish League if they had got into the Europa League group stages it would have been huge wouldn't it I mm, mean it would have been I super. Think, first of all a lot of people find themselves secretly rooting for Linfield. I was. And, you know, were you? I was. I really wanted them to, to win. I really wanted them to, to get past Car- I mean, I've followed Carabag when, obviously, Celtic have played them in the in the Champions League qualifiers. I think it was two or three seasons ago, and Celtic beat them reasonably comfortably in the end. But, you know, I I, I thought Linfield had a, had a chance. I mean, I watched that first leg at Windsor, and, you know, from set pieces, they were causing the Azerbaijan side all sorts of problems. It was a really, really valiant performance mm-hmm. moment and away as well. We mm-hmm, absolutely. I, I commented on the, the home game uh, for BBC Radio Ulster and the atmosphere at Wins Park was remarkable. And, you know, there was about 4,500 people mm-hmm. there and maybe mm-hmm. some people listening to this will think oh, I've been in way bigger, you know, attendances than that. But it, it felt like an 18,000. It felt like mm-hmm. a, a sold-out mm-hmm. Windsor Park. The Linfield fans were so loud, yeah. so passionate. And when Shane Lavery scores that wonder goal, even some journalists were nearly throwing themselves out onto the pitch. Yeah, I wanted to chat to you about Shane Lavery because it, it's kind of kicked on for him as well because he got called up to the Northern Ireland squad as well, didn't he? He did. He's a very talented young guy. Um, Michael O'Neill's a bit believer in him. He had been watching him when he was in the under-21s with Ian Barraclough. And, you know, when he was in the last under-21s campaign, he scored an absolutely sensational goal against Spain where mm-hmm. he ran from the halfway line and blattered it into the top corner and then mm-hmm. passed it a sparing Spanish goalie. And it was it was a wee bit like the Michael Owen Argentina goal. Um, you know, in terms of if you're trying to just picture it in your mind, yeah. that iconic goal. It's and a superb goal. And was a of the time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And obviously Crusaders also had their run in Europe as well. They were against Wolves as well. I mean, that must kind of big up the profile of the Northern Irish League considerably. It doesn't do it any harm, does it? I mean, you, you know, people were looking at them thinking, well, it's going to be a cricket score. Uh-huh. How could Crusaders compete with Wolves? And look, you know, Wolves are always going to go through. I think that's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. when they had the scare of conceding the goal, you, you trust the Wolves to, to fix that uh, fairly quickly, and they did. But uh, that little moment, and I was driving in my car, I was working at a different game earlier that day, and I was driving home, had the match on the radio, and the noise when Crusaders just for a moment scored 
it uh, it was quite special to hear, and you could you could tell what it meant to everybody working on the program, yeah. everybody in the grind. And I think you know, as much as we have our rivalries and nobody likes their big rivals, I think when you're small teams against such mighty powers, part of you you couldn't begrudge them a, a bit of glory. And Absolutely. I think football fans in Northern Ireland have gone through this sort of yeah. uh, this summer period into autumn. They've, they've been watching some miraculous displays, and uh, we've a lot to smile about now. Really. Absolutely. Now, there's a lot of people who follow my podcast who uh, you know are interested in Scottish football and English football. Can you maybe shed some light to some of the listeners about some of the players who have done really well in Northern Ireland that have come from the Scottish or English leagues, and vice versa, have gone across the water and done really well over there? A couple of the, the recent successes, I think Gavin White's the best one, isn't he? You mm-hmm. know, he was mm-hmm. on Crusaders um, and uh, now he's at Cardiff via Oxford. And that was a, a amazing story. Uh, Bobby Burns mm-hmm. had uh, made the move from Glenavon to Hearts, and he's yeah. finalising a move to uh, Australia. Yeah. And you know, it's, there's like a conveyor belt at the moment. Mark Sykes is across at Oxford. Paul Smith at Wickham Wanderers, um, and they're they're all very exciting young players that probably will have uh, a future in the international setup. Um, Bobby Burns will be looking to try and break through into that senior side yeah. in the next year or two. But you know the, the, the aforementioned have already got there, and Gavin White was playing against Germany the other day. Um, you know, running past Kimmich, and yeah. when you know when you think back a couple of years ago when he was taking on left backs in the Irish League, and all of a sudden he's playing in a sold out national football stadium in front of eighteen thousand people, running past one of the best defenders in the world. It's not, a, it's not a bad couple of years for, no, for him, you know, in no. his early 20s. No, it's fantastic. I was trying to think of some players that have really made it kind of over across the water from Northern Ireland. And the one that kind of springs to my mind is Liam Boyce, who, of course, was at Ross of County. Course. And then uh, and then I think he's... Is he now at uh, Hull City now, isn't he? Or is he, was it Burton Albion? I'm not he, sure. He, He's at Burton and yeah. he's he's doing well. I think he's off the off the mark with a few goals already this yeah. season. He's yeah. a really really explosive forward, and um, we definitely miss him in the Irish League. He was yeah. part of what was an iconic uh, front line. Him and Joe Gormley, Joe Gormley. very yeah. briefly was uh, you know over in Scotland as well yeah. as well as England and injury unfortunately got the better yeah. there and he's, he's come home and he's uh, you know we won the golden boot in the Irish League last season and he'll be a contender again this but him and Liam Boyce had this telepathic partnership and many people would argue they're one of the best front pairings yeah. that uh, you know an Irish League side has ever produced yeah. but Liam Boyce is he's a bit of a genius um, he just does things with the ball that you wouldn't expect um, and you know he's, he's well established himself now I think now we're talking about obviously talking about um, cult heroes and that, but let's move on to the the Northern Irish um, international setup. What has been superb for Northern Ireland is the way that they have adopted these these players from the kind of lower echelons of the Championship and League One in England and the Scottish Premiership, and I think it's just absolutely fantastic. And many of the people listening to my podcast know that I'm an Aberdeen supporter, and I really enjoy seeing Niall McGinn in the team because I just think he's absolutely fantastic. But I think it's fantastic the work that Michael O'Neill is doing with Northern Ireland, and you must see the, the amount of work he's been doing and how they are continuing to defy the odds at times. Oh, I mean, that's what it feels like we're always doing at the mm-hmm. moment. It's, it's amazing. And even when Northern Ireland are on a good run, and they definitely are now, you still go into games thinking, 
oh, this will be a hard one. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to manage it. I mean, we will never, I don't think we'll ever fully believe we're the favourites, even when occasionally we are. Yeah. You, you look at this qualifying campaign and four wins on the bounce before you know losing to Germany, which is nothing to be ashamed of. No, absolutely not. But, I... uh, I thought you guys against Germany were excellent. In fact, Connor Washington, who of course now is at Hearts, if he scores that early chance at nil nil, it maybe would have got you guys dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and who knows? And even at one nil down, Stuart Dallas, who's at Leeds, he pulls one wide of the post, and it's just—it was a massive display. They get a wonderful goal yeah. you know, early in the second half. That was a great goal. A goal deep in the injury time, so. Does 2 now tell the story? Probably not, but um, what Michael O'Neill has done is he's brought about belief in the squad, yeah. and um, I'm impressed about how the under-21 setup works. It used to be, I would argue, you know, the, the youth setup in football was for the people who weren't quite mm-hmm. ready or good enough to break into the first team, whereas now there seems to be more of a strategy. They want to develop you, they want to watch what you're doing at that age so that you're ready. Yeah. And uh, other nations maybe have nailed down that planning, but Northern Ireland are nailing it down now. Yeah, I, I think I, I've said I think I said on a couple of previous episodes of my show that the Scottish national team I think could do. Could do could do something by kind of following the the blueprint that Northern Ireland are doing. I think I listened to Stephen Cragen on the, the Scottish Football Podcast last week, uh, last Monday night, and he was speaking to um, the guys there and just saying that the setup that they have there is just is just almost kind of knuckled down to a T, and the the Scotland setup is just is just non-existent. And I think that's very frustrating yeah, from my point of view. I think we all know the Scottish FA were quite no Michael O'Neill. Yeah, they were. They? Yeah, they so. were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's a that's a big compliment mm-hmm. because Northern Absolutely. Ireland, you know, being able to be in a position where other nations, uh, even very close neighbours, uh, want to kind of put your boss at you mm-hmm. doing something right, and um, he's got a he's got a winning mentality into yeah. this Northern Ireland side, and he's got players who, let's face it, if you were to pick any of these names out, few of them would really have the star power, Absolutely. that would excite you and make you think, oh, I need a bit more club, and yet somehow when they pull on a green jersey. They are world beaters. Well, the one person you know, that, that you... That's well, only to get Yeah, well, the two people that I immediately come to my mind when you think of that are Stephen Davis and Kyle Lafferty mm-hmm. when he was at his prime. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Davis, for me, is a player that you, so many people do not appreciate how good he is. He's now our you know, record outfield appearance holder, 113 mm-hmm. caps. And there were times in that game against Germany where he was just... You know, dandering mm-hmm. casually mm-hmm. past people and spraying wonder balls, and yeah. and yet this is a guy that Southampton couldn't really find room for anymore. And uh, it shows you how it's a game of opinions. But at 34 years of age, he was still very much uh, pulling the strings, yeah. and um, he, he all the good stuff comes through him. And being able to find you know very talented young wide players that that run on, it's it's a nice problem for Michael. Absolutely, when he's absolutely. Trying to figure out what is the best eleven because it used to just pick itself. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I, I really wish Northern Ireland all the best for their uh, their last, well, the three remaining games in that group. Um, I'd love to see you guys qualify. It'd be tough, but you, you just never know. Now, Michael, a lot of people listening to this podcast will maybe not be fully aware of some of the grounds and sort of perks of following some Northern Irish football uh, players and clubs. So my question to you is, uh, one, what is, well, there's two questions to this, actually. The first one is, what is, what is the ground that kind of you immediately think well this is just an amazing place to come to maybe that's a little bit unusual or a little bit quirky and secondly are there any managers that you've kind of interviewed that are just you know 
that you, know, you just have a fantastic uh, time chatting to. Genuinely, uh, every club, uh, I think, appreciates coverage that they get. And yeah. They have warm characters, so I could run through every single team and find you somebody that I get on famously with. Mm -hmm. um, Windsor Park is the impressive stadium because yeah. it's the biggest, but I mean, in terms of really lovely uh, pictures, I would argue that Mornview Park, which is home to Glenavon, and yeah. Dymore Park, home of Dungannon, are two really great grounds mm -hmm. and when you go there you kind of think this is what football should be you're nice and close to the pitch yeah. uh, you can you can practically feel the manager breathing you, yeah. and you're so close to it all um, there, there are two grounds that really really do stand out and mm -hmm. what Lauren are now doing with their ground and their uh, you know they have a synthetic surface and the, they've really brought the town back and they find a way yeah. to tap into the community and so the atmosphere they're getting uh, makes it a really good place to go to at the moment if you're in Northern Ireland a Larne game usually is a, is a good atmosphere yeah yeah is there any managers that you've kind of discussed or chatted to in the in the media that are you know have really good crack um, the, the one guy that immediately in my mind sort of comes to mind is David Jeffrey the the Ballymena manager yeah I mean David Jeffrey is somebody that everybody in Northern Ireland will know who he is and he's Mr. Man motivator he's yeah. One of the most successful managers in the history of the league, along with Roy Coyle. But David has a great way about him in terms of how he motivates people, how he finds commonality with anybody. Um, I think you could put, you know, a team of people that haven't to do what a football is in a room, and he would, he would turn them into winners. He just has this incredible, insatiable desire to win and yeah. yet he finds a way like after Saturday's game when he was disappointed with certain things you know coming out of a match that was a, mm -hmm. a draw when they miss a last minute chance he doesn't blame a striker for missing the goal he would normally score he doesn't talk about the referee and controversial mm -hmm. decisions mm -hmm. he, you know he, he always finds the right thing to say yeah. he's such a you know he's, he's such a, a guy that when you meet him he's got an aura about him yeah. you know he, he really does sort of stand out as a larger than life character who's great fun and has loads of stories he actually won our manager of the month last November yeah. and one of the perks of winning the manager of the month this is the Northern Ireland Football Writers Association award so when you win manager of the month in November you get to come to the Christmas dinner <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, so, the, so the so the so the rule of the story is win the manager of the month in November and no bother about the rest of the season. Then. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <So that's, laughs> that is the one, and you know, you'll hear people tell the story all the time. They want to win the November award because there's a dinner in it for yeah, them. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! Um, that's a fantastic quirk, huh? Isn't that quite nice? Nah, it's so fantastic. We're, we're in an executive suite in Windsor Park, which is where we hold these things, yeah. and um, David comes along, and just to give you an idea of the, the, the man that he is, there's, there's dignitaries, there's respected journalists, there's a whole pile of people from TV and radio and papers and whatever, and we're all sitting there, and he's revealing a story which uh, was about lifting his players up in the, the, the dressing room one day when they really needed it, and it was such a good story, I don't think anyone spoke or, or even drew breath for 10 minutes. Yeah. They just let him tell the story. Superb. I gave him a round of applause at the end, and when does that ever happen in real no, life? When it's it fantastic. It's when, it's when people uh, sit and just listen to your every word, you know you've reached sort of God's status, haven't you? I think another manager, in my opinion, that that I, I certainly connected to when I first started following Northern Irish football is, is Oren Kearney, who is now back at Coleraine having had a stint at St. Mirren. Yeah, and I, look, I was a little surprised to see him come back, if I'm being honest. I've got to be honest, so was I. 
would love to have seen him kick on and you know there, mm-hmm. were, there were different motivations there I'm sure mm-hmm. and you just look at Corey and his formula he's yeah. had a very poor season yeah. they're right back up there they're second at the moment mm-hmm. and they're currently unbeaten so yeah. it does tell you a story Oren Kearney is a really really talented manager and I think it probably took him uh, you know the, the season before last what he did with Corey and moving to St Mirren and people seeing what he could do in Scotland what made people realize you know, he's, a, he's a special talent this guy and I would desperately love him to and I don't even know if he if he wants it but I would desperately love him to get a chance across the water again mm-hmm. there's no mm-hmm. doubt in my mind that he's talented mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. and the thing about him he's so measured and everything that's, what, that's the word I was going to use guy, yeah. humble yeah measured and reserved was the, the two words I was kind of thinking when I when he was saying that I just and I love the way that he sort of sets his team up and he kind of comes across as like you know, very assured, you know, there's nothing kind of brash about the way he sets his teams up. And they are very tough to beat. Very tough to beat. And the, the thing is, you know, he works for the tools that he has. He, they play some really good football in Corian when the pitch maybe gets cut up around the winter time, which unfortunately happens at the showgrounds. Um, it isn't always as nice to play on come yeah. December, January, February. He, he finds a different way to get the team going. And, you know, even now when he comes back into his old side, players have changed, some have come and gone. He clears out who he doesn't want. He brings in who he needs, and he gets them back winning. Yeah, absolutely. Parks of a good manager, and the thing is, he's great with the press. He knows what to say. He knows how to protect his players. And there's, he's not a soft touch. You see him, and you think, "Oh, this is a really lovely, amicable guy. I'll do everything for you," and he will. Yeah. But I, I'm sure those players will tell you that if you don't give 100 percent. He's not going to let you get away Absolutely. with that. He's got his standards and he holds them very high. Absolutely. Well, we'll keep uh, very much involved with that. Now, obviously, Michael, the, the weekend has passed. Um, the, there were some games, obviously, in the Irish League at the weekend. Uh, any results that catch your attention? Obviously, you were at Balomina Coleraine at the weekend, which finished 1-1. It did. And, I mean, I'll talk about that first, because that game was... It was just a stunning game. It was indeed. one all. One all and going, high on earth were there only two goals oh, no. here? I, there should have been plenty more. Corian had a one-on-one where the first shot from Owen Bradley straight at the keeper, the rebound with a goal gaping goes over the crossbar and you're thinking, my goodness. And then at the other end, a hospital pass of a back pass and the you know, Ryan Stackens free one-on-one with the keeper and he puts it wide of the far post. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, this was a game where Corian finished with nine men mm-hmm. and I'd say of everyone, um, the person getting the most sticks to the referee because both red cards were second yellows and there were questionable yellow cards mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. those decisions. Yeah, yeah, it certainly was interesting. I mean, I, I watched the highlights and, and, and Coleraine star. Well, James McLaughlin was obviously looking to get on the end of a, a pass for a chance to make it 2-0 and he pulled up with a hamstring injury. And that I felt really bad for him because he's been starting so well for, for the Bannon Siders and you know, that could have been a huge turning point. That, well, it was a huge turning point at 1-0. Yeah, if that's 2-0, it's probably game over. I mean, you can never fully write off Balamina, and a Balamina comeback would would be so typical of them, to be honest. So, you know, a 2-0 down, it wasn't over, but it would have certainly helped Corian's cause. And McLaughlin, you know, he got four goals uh, against Dungannon. Yeah, West. absolutely. I mean, you know, he's been such a... It's been such a good month, otherwise, mm-hmm. and then to pull up with that injury, you mm-hmm. just felt so, so sorry for him because yeah. it was a bit of a bad pass. I thought Bradley was going to be selfish and shoot. Yeah, I thought so too. The mm-hmm. keeper, mm-hmm. He squares it and he hits it ahead of McLaughlin, and mm-hmm. McLaughlin ends up doing his hamstring. Yeah. Yeah, 
Now, obviously on the podcast, I haven't talked about the league leaders, Crusaders, and they beat Glenavon on Saturday. Uh, a quite extraordinary game, uh, not to mention a, a fantastic late penalty save by Sean O'Neill, the Crews goalkeeper. Well, what was what was extraordinary was um, Sean's been on the score before and I, I get on brilliantly with him, but what surprised me was he was so honest in this TV interview after the match mm-hmm. because he was asked what did he say to Josh Daniels and he basically said before he hit the penalty I told him that if he misses he would ruin everything for his team. <laughs> yeah, it was quite extraordinary because I think the, 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 the Lurgan Blues had a penalty that um, was it uh, Mitchell scored, Andrew Mitchell. Um, yeah. Yeah, he scored to, I think it was to make it two apiece, wasn't it? Or was it 2-1? I can't remember. Um, but that was that was a big that, moment. That was the penalty to make it. Yeah, that penalty made it 2-2. Yeah. And then Crusaders got a penalty to go That's right. That's right. And haven't got a penalty and had it saved. Yeah, it was quite, quite an extraordinary game. I like Crusaders. Um, I, I've got to say just off the bat, I think they're a really good team. And one of the players I really like, well, there's two players I really like, um, Paul Heatley and David Cushley. Yeah, and the thing about Cushley is he doesn't get anywhere near the credit he deserves. No, completely. He's, he's, for some reason, he's not a fashionable player to, to rate, and I don't understand that why whatsoever. First of all, um, I would defy you to find anyone that hits a ball as hard oh. as him. Honest to goodness. He doesn't score uh, scrappy I, goals. He scores magnificent goals. <laughs> Yeah, I know there's there's been seasons where we just thought he can have his own goal. I was going to, you know, I know. It's quite amazing. Uh, out of his, his scrapbook, he, he scores rockets. But the thing about him is as well, if you go back to big games that he's played in, doesn't matter whether it was way back in his Lisbon distillery days, whether he was at Balamina, whatever, you look through his career, put him in a big game, he scores a goal. Yeah. They're the kind of players I want. And that is why, well, I haven't mentioned it, but Stephen Baxter is yeah. a tremendous manager. Superb. That's why Stephen Baxter has him in the side. Yeah. back losers you know he is you talk about wanting to win few can't go in as much as him um, and can have a weak temper when, they, when the result doesn't go his way and mm-hmm. who would begrudge him that because he, he's done such an amazing job with that club mm-hmm. he was there when they were relegated Absolutely. and now they're a team that you know, perennial challengers for the league Absolutely. and multiple time champions. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're a fantastic team to watch and I've got to say if I was over to Belfast that probably would be one of the teams I'd probably go and watch. Um, next up, uh, Linfield beat Glen Torin in the, the Two City Derby. Um, not the greatest game but Blues be delighted with the three points there surely. Yeah, I mean in a Derby game do you really care how you play? Exactly, no. It's all about winning. It's all about winning, it's all about bragging rights and it was an 87th minute winner by Kirk Miller and on the programme on Friday on the score, I was talking to Kirk Miller, I said for some reason here's another fella who is only now starting to get the plaudits, mm-hmm. you know, he, he scored in Europe, he, you know, he put in a, an amazing display uh, a couple of times early on in this season and you know, people have been talking about him and then there he goes again and gets the winning goal three minutes from time against their arch rivals mm-hmm. and this is a good Glen Torrent team. Yeah, I was going to say. This is not the last couple of years where you're kind of going, Glenn wasn't an achievement, mm. no harm to them, it just wasn't, whereas now they've made themselves a proper set again. Mm. Well, I watched Glen Torn. I think it was a couple of mo- I think it was a couple of Mondays ago when they played Institute, and they really ran riot against them. They were absolutely superb. A lot of guys I didn't really kind of know in the team, but you know, could could do some damage this season. Yeah, and, and the Glen Torrens. Uh, it's got experience in there like Curtis Allen who's always been one of the top scorers but for me it's just to find um, a bit of a rhythm and some of the additions they brought in as well so we've got a guy Hervoy Plum who's Croatian yeah. and mm-hmm. midfield 
free kick he hits is almost identical but he has already scored two amazing free kicks this mm-hmm. season and we're seven games in yeah. so gives you an indication anytime there's a set piece doesn't seem to matter where it is back this guy he's he's there Morton Gumps Patterson yeah. I always thought yeah. of him as what you know, cult hero he was <laughs> cult hero and, and Plum he doesn't play the same way as him but he's the same impact on the set piece he's, uh, he's a proper player and um, we're even seeing Connor Pepper, who was mm-hmm. more in the midfield last season. He's in right back, and he's he's made a, a blistering start. So mm-hmm. they they've got good players all over. And uh, one of the other ones that's worth looking out for, outside of the obvious choices, is Paul O'Neill. He's mm-hmm. only nineteen, and um, the the fun thing about Paul is I was talking to him the other day, and I didn't realise he played in Victory Shield for Northern Ireland against England, wow. and in the England team were like sort of Jaden Sancho. Wow. So, so here's a thought from Belfast it's football and uh, he's already been on the pitch with people that have gone on and done things such as Sancho so not bad he's got a decent uh, goal return for the early part of the season as well I think he's up to six goals now which is uh, is uh, is not bad and six goals for Glantour and three this season so uh, he's doing really well the young haven't come into the squad last year and I think I caught you hearing on the score and I that if Johnny Fraser is scoring headers then they must be going places <laughs> Glantour and <laughs> <laughs> with a little dig at Johnny yeah. to be honest um, I, I get on really well with Johnny Fraser he's been on the programme in the past he was a brilliant he was player. A really good player he was at Ards wasn't he he was and you know he was a, a youngster at Linfield before that and people probably thought he's only 23 mm. um, because he's you know he was young breaking into the Irish League sometimes you, you've and we all do it in football you assume somebody's older because you've seen them for a few years but he's only 23 um, and he, he's a very good player he's landed on his feet there and um, he's, he's known for more mazy running and dribbling and yeah. his goals tend to come in the box so seeing him score a header from the edge of the box <laughs> um, I, I nearly choked <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, it's fantastic. It's the stuff of legends, that. Uh, other uh, games at the weekend. Um, Lauren, very impressive against Institute. Yeah, they were. And I think Institute were quick to say that Lauren were one of the standout teams that have been there already mm. this season. Mm. And uh, Institute ground share with Derry City. Yeah. Um, after, unfortunately, Institute ground yeah. was Shocking. really badly affected by mm. a a couple of years mm. ago. Um, and so the, the Ryan McBride Brandywell Stadium is uh, an incredible place to play football. It's a really, really good venue. It's been really uh, well refurbished um, recently. So if you haven't been in the last couple of years, definitely check it out. But um, Lauren play excellent football, and Tiernan Lynch is mm. very stubborn in his beliefs that you know they want to play out from the back. They're going to concede goals doing that, but he wants to keep going. He wants to try and perfect that, and they want to play good football. There's not too much bypass in the midfield with Lauren, and that's admirable when they are a newly promoted. I caught on to Lauren last season. I think it was when they played Coleraine in that uh, Irish Cup quarter final, which was just sensational. That match. <laughs> yeah, it was a game which was just heart attack football for anybody invested. In brilliant to watch. It? <laughs> it was brilliant to watch. Tremendous to watch. No, it just. They, they wouldn't stop scoring and it, it felt like nobody actually wanted to defend at any stage mm-hmm. um, and yeah Lauren, Lauren kind of showed even in defeat what they were about then and they've probably learned from that as well mm-hmm. so looking at the, the league this season many people are asking the question how far can they go they have mm-hmm. a game in hand over second place Coleraine win their game in hand and they're only six points off mm-hmm. the top of the table so it's early 
early days, anything can happen, and Lauren have given themselves a chance. Well, I've got Lauren in my top six this season, but so we'll see how that happens. Um, other games, um, Cliftonville, really good win at Dungannon. What has happened to the Swifts, though? They've conceded quite a lot of goals lately. They have. Uh, they had a, a brilliant start. Superstar. The start that they had this season surprised a couple of people and maybe even surprised themselves, if I'm not being too unkind. You know, they raced off to a group start and they were, I think, joint top of the league very briefly. But, uh, you know, since then, um, they've come crashing back down there. And I don't know whether it's a case one bad ripple follows another and it's just not the confidence, but they're, uh, they're certainly struggling at the moment. And what you're going to find this year, more than any other year, is that there's no gimmies, you know. Mm. Usually you look at the league table and you think, well, there's four or five teams who fancy ourselves against. Um, I would say this year there's one or two teams you might have a better chance against, and then after that it, uh, mm. it's a toss of a coin. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've been watching bits of Cliftonville this season, and they, they still, I don't think, have got the balance right. I mean, I watched them a couple of times, and I think when Joe Gormley is isolated up top, I think they look like they they struggle to create chances for him, and certainly service to him. But other than that, I, I think they've got a decent shape about them, and I think they'll have a better season this year. Yeah, and that's kind of been the question because. There's been reports of him playing out in wide positions at times, and for me, he's best in a front two. But when mm. you've got such good wide options, you have to find accommodating everybody, and and you know, and that's when you start to think, well, who would be a manager? Because mm. <laughs> everyone's got these opinions, and you've yeah. got these talented players, and you need to try and find a way to get them all purring. But a four-nil win away to, to Dungannon suggests they got something right um, mm. on Saturday. Gormley got two goals, which isn't bad for you know, a player <laughs> position. Very true. Question. Yeah. And Ryan Curran is another bright spark in that team, a really lively player who has, uh, I think, now, you know, shown Cliftonville fans what he's really about. And um, what I like about Paddy McLaughlin is he's not afraid about giving players a chance or moving, you know, players into different positions. And he, he will experiment, and if you do well, he'll back you and he'll keep you there. And uh, you just look at that team he's got now, and if there's plenty of talent in it yeah. um, so it's not surprising to see them doing well but I wouldn't have them personally as title challengers to see no neither would I think they'll be comfortably top six no I, I, th- I think personally at the moment it's between Linfield and Crusaders with the rest sort of jockeying for position maybe Coleraine third but that's maybe my views um, last game I'm talked about Warren Point the only side without a point so far beaten at home the Carrick Rangers it's not been a great start for Warren Point yeah Warren Pointless Mm. Isn't it? You know, and, and it's harsh. It's they played six, lost six. They've minus twenty three goal difference. And mm. paints a picture. And you know, Carrick Rangers will be delighted with that. We were trying to figure out earlier if Stuart Nixon is the first Carrick Rangers player to score a hat trick in the top place yeah, in some time. And I, I think he is. Well, I saw Marshall's tweet actually, which I thought was—I think that's maybe what you picked up. But I—I uh, I think I think it probably would be. I mean, I mean, I certainly can't think for the very short time I follow Northern Irish football of anybody else has done that. But yeah, you really worry for one. But I quite like Stephen McDonnell. He comes across as a—you know—he's quite young, he's enthusiastic, but it must be hard for him seeing his side just conceding cheap goals week on week. Yeah, and they maybe have a bit of an issue as well in terms of where they're based. Mm. Um, you know, they're near Newry. Where do they attract their players yeah. from? Um, when you're talking about footballers that aren't full time, people don't necessarily want to make a couple of hours of a commute, which might surprise some people listening, but it's definitely a mentality that clubs with lower budgets are going to really struggle with because if they can't flash the cash, 
well then how do they attract them so uh, Warren Point of, uh, it's not good for them at all really in terms of how things started it, it will be shaky start the last season they made a big change their goalkeeper they all of a sudden yeah. started to find a bit of form it wasn't as simple as that but that was one of the changes mm-hmm. they made mm-hmm. and um, and eventually got it right for this year to be honest yeah, I'm looking at it you're, you're sort of thinking it's going to be Carrick Rangers Institute of War yeah in yeah. some order, fighting it out to try and avoid the drop. Yeah, that's what I was going to probably ask you. Who's going to Who's going to go down? It's, it's not looking great for for Warren Point at the moment, but you have to bring Institute and Carrick certainly into that mix. Okay, Michael. Well, we're coming to the stage of the show now where I uh, come on and do my predictions, um, and usually do absolutely rubbish. So uh, um, let's crack on with this then. So this week, as it's a Northern Irish special, um, I've not only got the Scottish Premiership and the English Premiership, but I've also got Northern Irish Premiership as well. So Hopefully it could be a, an interesting battle this week. So let's start with the Northern Irish League then. Um, so Cliftonville are home to Institute on Saturday. What are we thinking for this one? It's a home win for me. Um, you've got Paddy McLaughlin against his old side yep. there. Uh, the Cliftonville boss will fancy his team's chances against Institute, who have uh, recently appointed their new manager. But Institute have played seven, drawn one, lost six. Mm-hmm. And um, you know they're already... 12 points behind Cliftonville. For me, this is actually the game I'm going to. It's going to be a home win for Cliftonville. So give us a score. I'll go for 3-1 for the Reds. Uh, I'm going for 2-0 and I'm going for the exact same reasons yourself. I just think Cliftonville have far too much quality. Struggle to see where Institute are going to score goals. Maybe Joe McCready, former Coleraine player, can notch in a couple, but it could be a long season for, for Stu. Um, it could be in... No, that's, that's what you have to look at. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now the next game is between the big two, Coleraine and Crusaders at the Coleraine Showgrounds. And this is one that Coleraine have to win. Absolutely. It's crazy to say it so early on, but you know, I asked Oren after the draw against Palomina, you've got the unbeaten tag. Uh, you know, are you, is that at least something? And he said, no, I'd, I would rather have lost a game and won a match than drawn mm-hmm. uh, the way he's drawn because they've, they've won three and they've drawn four so it's all about points clearly yeah. they're already six bang crusaders they need to start taking points back and don't get me wrong obviously there's a long way to go but if you can take points against the teams that you're coming up against in that title race it makes life easier so um, they'll be hoping for a win do I think they'll get it you have a feeling crusaders will will, will Week away there with a, a goal win, so I'm going to say two-one Crusaders, but I don't think it's going to be easy, and I wouldn't be surprised if I'm entirely wrong and Coleraine do win it. I, it's I, that close. Yeah, I've gone for the exact same scoreline. I actually was kind of trying to go for the draw in this one, but I just think that Crusaders have maybe have a couple more match winners in their team that could make the difference. Someone like Jordan Owens, someone like Heatley or Cushley could make the difference. Philip Lowry's been a cracking goal scorer for him. maybe he can come up with the goods, but I just think that the Crews just maybe have that fraction more uh, quality and, and as I say match winners to, to get the job done. Now next up is Glenavon against Balamina. Glenavon have had a pretty poor start to the season. It was described by their manager as uh, an all-time low mm. after they lost the Crusaders and normally losing the Crusaders wouldn't be anybody's all-time low but he's referring to the fact that they've played six and lost four and only won once mm. and they're third, you know, uh, third from bottom only Institute and Warren Point have had a worse start and you can look at a couple of things here Chris Lindsay was one of his you know, top coaches Chris Lindsay's left and as my manager Dungan and Swiss Paul Blair was his assistant his right hand man he's now assistant at Glen Torren mm-hmm. so when you lose key members of your coaching staff and when you lose top players whether they be going across the water or whatever else 
and you, you aren't able to quite adequately replace them. It's it's a losing recipe, and mm. that's what they're saying. They need a big result, and will they get it against Balamina? I mean, I think that'll be. For my money, I think that'll be maybe the most entertaining game of the day. Mm. I'm not saying it'll be the highest quality. There's always loads of goals. Open yeah. and exciting. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's going to be there's going to be loads of goals. I at some point Glenavon have to come good and I'll apologise to Ballymena fans I'm going to go I'll go 3-2 Glenavon I think it'll be a crazy result why not I'm going to go for an entertaining draw as well I'm going to go 2-2 um, I, okay. I just think that I just think Glenavon will concede a couple of goals but and Ballymena as, as we've discussed you know people like Friel um, people like I think is Big Adam Leckie still playing for, for Ballymena because I think he can score a couple of goals as well and they've got quality in midfield yeah. um, um, I, I think it'll be a good game. I think this could be absolutely anything, uh, but I'm going for 2-2. Um, the next one for me is a slam dunk. Uh, surely the Glens will beat Warren Point at the Oval. Yeah, and that's, I would say, 2-0, and, and that'll be it. I, I think they'll, they'll probably make life hard for themselves, go yeah. and score a goal before half-time, score another one after the break, and then seal into the sunset with yeah. three points. So. Yeah. I, 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 I don't see Warren Point doing much I'm afraid I'm sorry yeah, to say that Yeah I've gone 3-0 so we can move swiftly on with that one uh, Next one which could be an interesting one Larne against Dunganada Inver Park Yeah that, I think this will be because Will there be a response from Dunganada I think they've conceded 12 and scored mm. in their last three Premiership outings You know, mm. they, they went from being unbeaten to, mm. to struggling to do, you know, they, they look like the, the polar opposite. Essentially, mm. they, they went from being unbeatable to a team that can't win. Um, I think they'll be better against Larn, but I do think they'll lose. Mm. Um, I don't think they'll be disgraced, but I could see them. I could see them coming out two-one uh, losers here. I think Larn, Larn to do the business. They're, yeah. they're a good side. Johnny McMurray caused problems for Dungannon. Mm. Uh, I always love it when Marty Donnelly plays. Mm. He, he just so dynamic. Um, I, I would fancy Kieran Lynch and Lauren for the home win. Yeah, I've gone 3-1 Lauren in this one. You mentioned those guys. I, I really like uh, David McDade. You know, uh, he, yeah. he always seems to score loads of goals wherever he goes. And, uh, you know, he, he's got an eye for the goal. And I really like the guy uh, Hughes in midfield for Lauren as well. He's been very impressive. But, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, you're talking about Dungannon. Well, they lost five at Coleraine. They lost four um, at home to Cliftonville at the weekend. You know, that's nine in itself. And, you know, it's hard to see how they can yeah, sort of show it up. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I so, forgot about that. Yeah. You know, you look at that, but um, they they won't continue on that bad no. run. I, no. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be getting too panicked if no. I was a, a Don Gammon fan at the moment. No, but neither would I. It wasn't a favourable run of games. Uh, unfortunately, they had the the worst possible outcome. They do have the third worst goal difference. Yeah. But, um, I, I, it won't be like that come the end of the season. Yeah. And the final match in the, the next round of the Northern Irish Premier League card is Carrick Linfield, which I believe is on Sky. Is that right next Monday? I think it might be. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a televised game from Carrick. What's uh, Carrick are my hometown team. Ah. I don't know if you're aware of that. So mm. I did actually. Um, <laughs> so now Curry is the manager there. Um, he was formerly at Ards and Porter Down. Mm -hmm. He's a great guy. Um, and I think really he just gets that unity he always finds a way he's a bit of a reputation as if it doesn't work and he can replace the whole squad somehow he's, he's like got a wheeler dealer mm -hmm. kind of tag stuck to him but he 
he really cares about the job he's in. He really wants to do well, and he he was desperately unfortunate. He was at Porter Down. He that was his hometown club. He wanted to be the hero there. It just didn't click. Uh, wrong time, maybe getting the job. Who knows? And uh, I think it was a real low point for him. Mm. And so coming into Carrick, he, he's desperate to, to prove to everybody he can do a great job. And nobody expects him to win against Linfield, but um, if they can, they can get tight. I think it's going to be kind of the Alamo here Carrick are going to park the bus and park a second <laughs> if they can and try and pick Linfield off in a set piece but unfortunately for my hometown team I want them to win I don't mm. mind that I think everyone knows deep down I'm a Carrick fan <laughs> but uh, realistically looking at it it's a, it's a Linfield win and we'll, uh, we'll say 2-0 to the Blues yeah I've gone I've gone for a 2 goal um, win for Linfield but I went 3-1 um, I think Carrick will be plucky and get a goal at some point in the game um, and I think you're right I think they'll maybe get an opportunity from set pieces but that's where they need to um, kind of use that to their advantage but I just think Linfield has too much quality uh, and and you know players like Andy Waterworth are, if, they, if he plays you know give him the ball and give him the service and he'll score goals and I, I just think it's a tough game it'll be a bonus for Carrick if they picked up a win or, or even a draw out the game but I just think Linfield win it 3-1 right let's this move is, it this is not Norwich oh. against Man City well, you know what I mean this is, this is like Norwich against Man City yeah, yeah. you look at that game depleted Norwich team 7 injuries everyone was going could it be 7-8 not Man City and then things happened so yeah. you never know in football I just want to quickly say um, because I haven't, we're talking about good managers David Healy is a very good manager fantastic um, fantastic manager and I, it wasn't that long ago I asked him about it at the time you know people were calling for him to be sacked and he's incredible and um, you know look at him now and mm-hmm. everything he's achieved so mm-hmm. um, when you're talking about good managers there's a guy that I think will be in the next couple of years being head hunted yeah. but he, he would deserve it and just a quick mention on David Healy before I move on to the rest of the predictions. The one thing I'll always remember him for is two things. One, that goal against England. And secondly, the hatchery against Spain. Yeah. Oh, and, and don't I remember both. I'll tell you what, I'm sitting here. I don't mind telling you this. I'm sitting here in my bedroom. I'm looking at uh, my wall. I've got a poster of that David Healy goal against England on the wall. And it's a lovely reminder of... Uh, Wednesday the 7th of September 2005 <laughs> Superb, great um, memories to prove it. I remember watching that game too, The thing about it too is um, When I uh, How I got into the BBC as a commentator Is I won a talent search And the, the clip that you had to commentate over And send off when you were finished Was that goal And uh, that was in, in 2010 So five <laughs> years after the, after the fact It says here's a clip, commentate on this wasn't very hard for me to get Fantastic. all uh, misty-eyed <laughs> and uh, the rest is history. So I, I told him, I was like, that goal meant a lot to me when you scored it when I was 15 and when I was 20 even more. Brilliant. Fantastic. What a story that is. And that's something that I'll, I'll kind of resonate in the back of my own mind to tell to some of my friends listening to this and further beyond. Now, this is where I should do hopefully a little bit better, or maybe not as the case may be. Let's move on to the Scottish Premier League. Um, the first game up is Livingston against my team, Aberdeen. Oh well, come on, Aberdeen. Let's 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 both back them. Um, my I don't know if my dad might won't mind me saying this. I don't think my dad always said when he was asked about which team in Scotland he liked. He always liked Aberdeen. So um, he's a big Man United fan, and he he boasts that he watched Fergie before he came to Old Trafford. Mm. So uh, you know, and, and followed there. So yeah, but we saw a spot for for Aberdeen as well. So uh, let's back them for a 
for a two-goal win away from home, shall we? So 2-0. Uh, I'm going for a closer game and a very scrappy 1-0 win for the Dons. Uh, but Dutch would have hoped Derek McInnes and the guys can, can get a result. Um, to kind of kickstart the season because it's been a bit up and down so far and kind of not go off the line at times. Um, next up is Motherwell Ross County. Now before I get your prediction on this Michael, Liam Donnelly has been pretty impressive for Motherwell. Of course he's been in the Northern Ireland squad as well. Yeah, I mean I, his manager said he should be in the Northern Ireland squad and I was sitting with Michael O'Neill and uh, talking to him after an event and I said, you know, basically the call is Liam Donnelly surely he's going to get his chance now and Michael said he's on my radar a couple of days later he announced him in the squad so mm. it's it's an amazing story I spoke to Liam Donnelly um, when he was in the under 21s and they were going through a tremendous campaign where they finished second in a qualifying group and Spain won the group and got out of it mm. and when that group started Liam Donnelly it was it'd be good if we could win a game or two and by the end of it they were got it they couldn't get past Spain you know and, and somehow qualify and for me that shows the transformation in the setup in Northern Ireland but it shows you his development as a player as well that because he the running joke in Northern Ireland um, that maybe your listeners wouldn't be aware is essentially that he's secretly maybe 40 because he was in that youth setup for such a long time other players progressed quicker than he did mm-hmm. he was there the whole way through so proud to get 21 caps didn't matter how many times he was in that squad and now he's a senior player and he's tearing it up in Scotland he's superb um, so it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing story long may it continue we need all the goal scorers we can get absolutely so give us a prediction for their match against Ross County then Motherwell at home <sighs> with fancy Motherwell wouldn't you I mean their, their record they've had a decent start to the season mm. um, only a couple of points behind Rangers I think off the top of mm-hmm, my head mm-hmm. so uh, I would have Motherwell there I would have Motherwell maybe 2-1 um, you never really can write off Ross County they're good for they're good for a result, but I'd say Motherwell. Yeah, I've got Motherwell to win 2-0. Um, I watched County the other night, highlights against St Mirren, and they kind of smashed and grabbed a little bit and kind of got a win. They had been in a little bit of a poor run in terms of conceding loads of goals, but fancy Motherwell 2-0. Now, big six-pointer next, St Mirren against Hamilton. Um, just for fun, I'll back Hamilton here, will <laughs> I'll go 1-0 the Ooh, I'm going for a score draw here I've gone for 1-1 I like Jim Goodwin um, I think they've been a little bit unlucky to be where they are They, I think they possibly should have a couple more points than they have at the moment but these two teams are going to be down near the foot of the table come the end of the season maybe one or both of them might be in battle to either be going down or be in the playoff so I'm going to go for a draw. I thought Hamilton played well against Celtic on Saturday, but, you know, it was 1-0, but Celtic, I didn't think, were at their best. But I think Hamilton will get someone on the road, so I'm going to go 1-1. Now we're into Sunday games. Um, obviously, Rangers and Celtic both in Europa League action on Thursday night. So Rangers on the Sunday are away to St. Johnston. I think they'll do okay. Rangers here, I know it's the early kickoff. Um, I, what will I go for? I'll, I'll go for... I'll go for 2 now I'll be conservative. I was, I was trying to think could they go as far as 3, but I'll go for 2. I think they'll be too strong for St Johnston. Yeah, here. so do I. 
So the way I've gone for three one. Um, you know I think Morelos and uh, you know the quality they have up front will just be too strong for St Johnston. I'm, I'm not gonna not gonna shy away from it. I'm a big fan of Tommy Wright. I think he's doing a fantastic job at St Johnston. I think you know with the resources he has and you know the quality of players he's lost and he's trying to kind of um, kind of reinstate yeah. with other players. It's not kind of worked out for them so far. They did okay at the weekend of getting a drop at Aberdeen, um, but I think Rangers will have too much quality and they'll win it three one. Um, Celtic. Um, on the flip side, at home to Kilmarnock, who've won back-to-back -back games under their manager, Angelo Alessio. Yeah, it's a great run for Kilmarnock. I think they're going to make it difficult for Neil Lennon. Um, I still fancy Celtic to get the win there. and I, I think when they're at home, he's sort of less worried about them again. Mm. I would say 3-1 Celtic, but I don't think it's going to be a cut-and-dry, easy game. I think it'll mm. be a tough match for quite a while, and they'll mm. eventually just have too much for Kelly. But um, fair play, I mean... The last couple of results, the one against Hibs, they've shown there's something about them this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the I think the thing for Celtic is, of course, they're away to Wren in the Europa League on Thursday night. So, be interesting to see how they they travel back and and, and all that. I I just think Celtic have too much quality, and I think they'll be a little bit better than they were at the weekend. But of course, be interesting to see how they go on, on Thursday night. But I've gone three nil here. I just think it'd be tough for Kilmarnock to break them down, and I think uh, mm. well, of course, certainly keep them out. And uh, I just think Celtic have too much quality. Now, the next game is the big game the Edinburgh Derby could it be the end of an era for one both or neither manager hearts again, well hearts away to Hibs oh what a big I game this is imagine, I know imagine trying to pick between these two sides I mean it's uh, it's not been an ideal start of the season for either of them Hearts haven't even registered a win yet mm. so it wouldn't be a bad way to start doing I know, it I know. To your rival with that short journey across Edinburgh mm. um Mm, despite that, I still think Hibs. I think it's again. Uh, I always love this derby match. If I'm being honest, mm. when it's on, I try and get a wee watch. So There's just something about it. Mm -hmm. So do I. Um, I think Hibs. I'll go two-one Hibs. I, 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 it'll probably be a draw, but I don't do draw yeah. predictions. <laughs> You're like me, I don't really do many draws either. I've also gone 2-1 Hibs. Um, I, I've made my bold prediction on my show right from the very beginning that I thought Craig Levine would be the first manager to be sacked. And I, for one, think that him and Paul Heckenbaum are firmly out in front now for... I think whoever loses this, it goes. That's what I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, I think... If it's a draw, I think Hearts have the little bit of the safety net of the fact that they've got Aberdeen in the, the, the Betfred Cup quarterfinal the following weekend. That's a big game that's at home. If they were to win both of those games, you know, it might turn the corner for them. But, you know, you look at Hibs, I just think they might just have a little bit more leeway than the Hearts do. I think the fans have turned already on that one. So I'm going to go for Hibs 2-1, but I, I wouldn't be... I, again, could be absolutely anything. You really don't know with Derby games. And as we said about, you know, Linfield Glen Tournell in the podcast, you know, all you've got to do is win. It doesn't really matter how poor the game is or how well you play. If you don't win it, you know, that's the bottom line. Yeah, and, you know, when you're Craig Levine and, you know, fans are protesting outside the ground mm. and you have all this sort of angst building up against you, the last thing you want to do is go to Easter Road for a big derby game. It's yeah. just, it's, this is a, a boiling point. And I think you're right, unfortunately, you don't like to see any manager lose their job. But, I mean, Michael Stewart was warning about mm. um, Hearts form, wasn't he? That yeah. was the big headline yeah. earlier yeah. on, calling yeah. relegation form mm. and... Yeah, it, it's, it's whatever way you look at it. It doesn't look pretty. And I think that when you lose the Derby game in particular, that's when the pressure gets turned on. Absolutely. And just, you know, on that, and I was talking about the David Healy criticism, like that was, I remember them 
uh, coming away from the Oval. I think they were beaten on Boxing Day at the Oval, and uh, Boxing Day is a traditional derby game here. And we're getting singing, you're getting sacked in the morning, and Glentoran fans were firing pelters mm-hmm. and ended up in them. They sacked the manager, you know, and Healy remained on eventually. You know, mm-hmm. wasn't the next day, but further down the line, you, you look and you, it's funny football. You know, one minute you want rid of somebody, so advocating people losing their job, but. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a crucial weekend for both managers, and mm. uh, it's hard to it's hard to see both surviving after this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll certainly keep that one um, very much at the forefront of our minds. Uh, quickly moving on to English Premier League, um, early kickoff, well, the late kickoff, sorry, on uh, Friday at Southampton against Bournemouth is the first match the Seaside Derby. I know uh, there's all the derbies pouring in this weekend. It's, it's, uh, we're spoiled for choice, really. Um, what way do we see it? I think maybe Southampton. Um, this is it's a hard enough one to split, but I find Bournemouth too unpredictable mm, at times. So do I. Um, you really don't know what way to go, and you, you look at their form. Um, they, they have identical records at the start of the season: played five, one, two, lost two, drawn mm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope advantage. I'll just tip it to Southampton. We'll go. We'll go two-one uh, Southampton. Yeah, I've gone a score draw here. I have gone one-one. I watched Southampton now in the season against my team. I follow in uh, England, Manchester United, and you know they they dug in well. They were better second half. Vestergaard scored an equalising goal with a header, and uh, you know they did okay. Um, I watched Bournemouth yesterday against Everton, and they really exploited Everton for how poor they were defensively. But I completely agree with you, Michael. Away from home. They're very well. Bournemouth in general are, are very unpredictable. So I've got to go for a score draw because I really don't know what's going to happen there. So I'm going to go one one. Now next up is Burnley against the City Slayers, Norwich. <laughs> that's uh, you wonder like Norwich. You keep looking at them and thinking right, they're obviously going to stop being brilliant now, aren't they? And then yeah. they they refuse to do that. Um, and it would be kind of typical. You have to break your own logic to make sense of this, I think. Because you didn't expect them to beat Man City, and they did, you then expect them to beat Burnley, which means they won't. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go for a Burnley 2-1 win, even though like, all logic would say, well, if you can beat City, you can beat Burnley. I'm going to flip it and I'm- say a home win for Burnley. I'm going to go with the logic and I'm going to go Norwich win. <laughs> I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to go 2-1 and uh, I'm going to add a little bonus one in there of Pookie to get the winner. I thought he was excellent against City. But when you mentioned about Norwich, of course, now Kenny McLean, former Aberdeen player, netting the opening goal, a great header as well. So it's just fantastic. It really was. And they, they put up a video um, on their social media of how they beat the press. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's amazing stuff. People... Quite often they come up with these ideas that when you're playing against the Man City, you have to park the bus and you have to go route one. Well, no. which proves that you can no. actually play mm-hmm. football absolutely. and win. So, so credit to them. The, the Canaries were, were absolutely marvellous and deserved their, their win, even though they had to dig in at the end. Yeah, and it's refreshing to see a team coming up from the Championship and playing some really good football. Speaking of a team coming up from the Championship, Sheffield United are away to Everton on Saturday. And, you know, the, what a journey it's been for them so far. I, I don't fancy them here. Though, Neither do I. I have to say, I think I think the Toffees are going to be able to get the job done. So I'm going to go 2-0 home win. And I, I don't see Sheffield United making it too hard for them. Yeah, I've, I've gone 2-0. I've gone 2-0 as well. Um, I think Sheffield United will really miss um, Billy Sharp for a while after this red card on Saturday. Uh, I did feel for them a wee bit, you know, the offside goal. But, you know, I, I, the problem is when they go away from home, they're, they're going to have to sit in and Everton at Goodison I think are always very tough 
tough to beat and hopefully they'll learn from their mistakes against Bournemouth because if they do I think they'll, they'll win this game quite comfortably so I've gone 2-0 but I wouldn't be surprised if it's much more comfortable than that um, Man City uh, the wounded City uh, are home to Watford wouldn't you just hate to be Watford? Mm. They've, had a really, you know, they've had a really shocking start in terms of some of the fixtures they've had. It's not an easy start. They they did well to get that draw against Arsenal, well, uh, courtesy of some diabolical defending. Unbelievable. But looking at this, this is just the worst time to play Man City. Absolutely. Isn't it? It's like a case of don't poke the bear. Absolutely. Um, I think Man City actually come out and make a bit of an example of Watford. I could see a 4 0 City, and it's it's not because I don't rate Watford, it's not because I don't think they're a good side, but I just think that absolutely anybody uh, coming up against Man City here, maybe by the exception of Liverpool, mm. um, uh, would just get swatted away. Yeah, I, I think Guardiola is going to be furious and he's going to make a real statement here. I would be surprised. City don't win 3 or 4 but I'll say 4 now yeah I've gone 3-0 um, the only question mark I have about City is they've got this away game against Shakhtar in the Champions League on Wednesday and uh, you know the travelling back might uh, be a problem but I think it's a tough game for Watford and yes they were very plucky in the way they responded and came back against Arsenal yesterday probably should have won it at the end with a Degure chance but I just fancy City all day long here and I think De Bruyne will want to, to kind of stamp his mark in the game having been put on the bench for that game yes Notch which I was quite surprised about um, but yeah, I've gone three 0 here. Um, that's maybe with a view to Europe as well. It's well, that's very well. Have, uh, it's probably just there uh, to bring in when you need him. Yeah, definitely. Um, the late game. Oh, I forgot the early kickoff. But the the late game is Newcastle against Brighton. And it's uh, I watched a, a little bit of Newcastle Liverpool, and they talked about shooting yourself in the foot. Mm. Liverpool's quality told, and they de they deserved their win, but. Sometimes you just wonder, Steve Bruce, as a, a person who was a fantastic defender, must just look at sometimes onto that pitch and go, what in the name of goodness are you doing to mm -hmm. me? Um, I, I saying all of that, I, I fancy a home win. Um, uh, I, I do, I mean, I'm going to go, I could see it being a game with a couple of goals in it, but um, I'm only, I'll keep it at 2-1 Newcastle. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like to always be too predictable on predictions. <laughs> Two one Newcastle here. You've got to keep it interesting. Maybe sometimes I make these up to suit myself. No, no, no. Uh, what's going to happen? But I, I see it. I hope, and so I'm going to stick with that. It's it, just a side up before I give you my own prediction. That everybody that knows me winds me up because I always go 2-1 <laughs> with some of my predictions. But I've gone for a score draw here. I've gone 1-1. I think Brighton have do okay under um, the guy Potter. I think they're being a little bit more ambitious with their play going forward. Um, maybe a little bit unlucky to have only picked up a point against Burnley at the weekend, but I think they'll take a draw at Newcastle, um, and I think 1-1. One, one. Um, I think it's a tough season for Newcastle. I think you're right, the game against Liverpool, they, they scored a fantastic opening goal, and then they just kind of shot themselves the foot and invited Liverpool. And I mean, yes, Liverpool were magnificent. The Salah goal was sensational, but yeah, they didn't help themselves in that game. No, not at all. And you know, Brightness it's still a little hard to, to get an assessment on them with it being so early in the season. You know, they had the draw against Burnley, they were stuffed by Man City, can't read into that. Mm -hmm. You know, defeat Southampton, draw against West Ham, they're, they're sort of much of a muchness really. Yeah, it is, no, it's a good point. Two standouts, so yeah. uh, so I'm just thinking they're the away side, so I'll I'll put them at a slight disadvantage and I'll I'll back Newcastle to edge them but um yeah, it could be quite an open game, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was one or two mistakes leading to go 
goals then. Mm -hmm, could be. Now the early kickoff, which I completely missed, uh, Leicester against Tottenham. I don't, did you miss that? That's a, a some game. I know, I know. It's a <laughs> game. I don't know. I had a bit of a mirror with that one. <laughs> well, Spurs, if they play half what they did at the weekend, let's just back them right now say 2-0. I know Leicester at home. I know they've talented players, but Spurs, one of these seasons, they're going to have to really go that bit further. And mm. I don't know whether it'll be this year, but they certainly have the quality. Uh, Hillman's some. Mm. And fan of his, um, over him fast, and um, and obviously watch him week in week out. He's, he's quality. I, I think Spurs will Spurs will win here too now. Yeah. Um, Leicester, they showed that they struggled in front of the goal against Man United. I mean, Man United were at times there for the taking, and Leicester mm. didn't have that mm. killer edge. Yeah, I was so quite surprised by I that. That will continue here. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna, not gonna kind of, but. Beat away from the bush on this one. My my ambitious prediction for the season on my show was I thought that Leicester could upset the apple cart and get in the top four. Um, Got to say that Man U result has kind of made me kind of scratch my head and go, hmm, I don't think that might happen now. Um, I think Spurs win this game as well. Um, sadly for me, uh, I do like Leicester. I think they're a good team. I think they're I think they're something's very underestimated. James Madison, I think, is fantastic. Watch Vardy will always run and score goals. Uh, Tielemans has been a great sign, but. I think you're right about Tottenham. I think they've been playing good football last last week. Um, I, I think Son's sensational. I love Harry Kane, the way he's, he, he kind of orchestrates the side up front. Um, they have quality. I think about a good game, but I think Spurs win it 2-1 for me there. Um, yeah, no, fair enough. I, I could, could see that. It's an ambitious joint, Leicester, but do you know what? You never know. I mean, yeah, absolutely never they, know. They have the same amount of points as Spurs, so uh, never say never. Well, the reason I went with that is because I thought, you know, Arsenal is still in a little bit of transition. Chelsea, obviously, with Lampard. You know, United still not getting things sorted out defensively. I thought there was an opportunity for a, a Leicester or a West Ham or an Everton or that to kind of get in there and sort of upset the apple cart a bit, but... I don't know. They maybe maybe will get it sorted out. I don't know. Um, you just feel obviously Liverpool and City are well in front of everyone else. But you know, Spurs if they're going to get third, I think they will. Then they're sort of one from maybe two or three, maybe four. It's that's what I believe. But yeah, my if I was if I was to put money on it, I wouldn't have. Leicester in the top four, if I'm mm. being honest with mm -hmm. you, but mm -hmm. who doesn't love a bold prediction? No, absolutely, absolutely, and that's what the, that's what my podcast is all about. Bad predictions cancelled out by good crack. Um, Sunday's games, uh, Man United are away to West Ham. This is a tricky game for Ole's side. It is. Um, watching Man United at the moment, every game's a tricky game mm. for them, isn't mm. it? Um, they just uh, they don't quite do they, if they were better at converting penalties they'd have more points <laughs> exactly. plenty of them early mm. on and uh, thanks to VAR we're not meant to believe that there shouldn't be penalties anymore mm. um, looking at it Man United 1-0 I'm just going to keep that uh, I think they'll just keep doing that. One nil, chuck long. One nil. One nil. Um, part of me, part of me thinks one all, but I'm going to stick to my guns and never to draw. Well, I'm. Um, I which. So what are we going for? 1-0 or 1-1? I don't know, I'll go 1-0 Man United because oh, okay. I'm, a, I'm a man, I'm a word. Okay, I, I've gone 1-1, that's why I asked. <laughs> and as a United fan, I'm I'm unconvinced by United so far this season. You know, I, I really yeah. want it to work for Ollie. Um, I think he's you know a very passionate guy. I love the way he's trying to get guys like Rashford and James in the team and really try to kind of bleed the youth through. Um, but it's kind of 
kind of gone a little bit awry at times when we've been defend. Well, United have been defending, and they should never have lost that game against Crystal Palace. I thought that was an extraordinary poor result. Um, they were kind of lucky to escape St Mary's with a point um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, we mentioned Leicester. You know that game. The Foxes had chances there in that game. We should have should have probably done better in that game. Um, I think West Ham at home are very tough to beat, and they always raise their game at home against the big teams. Um, I wouldn't be actually surprised if United lost this game, but I'm going to go 1-1. Um, just kind of hoping United put in a good performance. Uh, West Ham have had a decent start in the season, haven't they? So, mm. you know, they deserve, they deserve uh, whatever puts come their way, but... Uh, yeah, I just have this image of United grinding out results for a mm. little while, mm. being unconvincing, but uh, putting points on the board. So I think United will get through this one, but at the moment, would anyone United fan be surprised to see them drop points? No, I certainly wouldn't no, be. I probably, no, no, I wouldn't think so, you know. Yeah. Uh, next up is Wolves away to Crystal Palace. Two teams who didn't have ideas against. Um, mm. Wolves... Uh, I mean, who said that result? It was a, one of the most entertaining games of football over the weekend, wasn't it, against mm. Chelsea? And, mm -hmm. and if anyone wasn't quite sure if Tammy Abraham could you know, do oh, it against sides other than newly promoted sides, yeah. he, he barely put people right there. And that was a really good hat trick. That third goal was uh, amazing Super. for him. Um, yeah, team lost 5 2, Palace lost 4 0. So. We should be imagining this is going to end up being somehow drab, but I I lean towards the uh, the visitors here, and um, I'll don't know if we see for scoring as many as three though, but I don't want to keep going two one. I'll go three one for Wolves. Why not? Let's let's imagine a uh, uh, Nuno Espirito Santo gets the gets the boys firing again. So yeah. uh, maybe a Royal Jimenez brace in there. So yeah, uh, we'll go for. 3-1 Yeah, I actually see a scrappy game here. Uh, I don't think there'll be much in the way of goals. Palace are quite tough to break down at home, and they, they always are, usually, apart from last weekend, obviously, quite tough to beat. Um, Wolves obviously have that Europa League game against Braga on Thursday night. So at, okay, they're at home, but you know, it'll be interesting to see how much effort they put into that game. Um, but I'm going to back Wolves to win it. I'm going to back them to win it 1-0. I, I don't think it's going to be a classic, but as long as, as long as they get the three points, I'm not sure they'll be caring too much. Yeah, no, um, very fair point as well, you know, with European distractions there and uh, Nuno wanting to prove himself on a bigger stage. Mm. Um, could they take their eyes off the prize a little bit? Mm. I uh, think we'll have enough to get past Palace. We'll, uh, we'll disagree on the scoreline, but agree on the, the outcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of Europe, um, Chelsea-Liverpool um, is the next game. Um, and we talked about Tammy Abraham just a side thought on this I had a big regret on uh, Friday because I was looking at my fantasy football team and was contemplating putting Abraham in didn't and look what happened <laughs> oh dear can I ask you um, <laughs> I kept Billy Sharp and he got set off <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> there we go. So if you ever need a vote of confidence, don't get some grant, it'll end badly. <laughs> don't believe me, I've had pelters, Michael, all weekend about it. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Billy Sharp. Um, yeah, you should have stuck Tommy Abraham in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2020. Shambles. <laughs> anyway. Chelsea Liverpool. Chelsea Liverpool's a smashing game. I think Liverpool will be too good for them. Um, Chelsea have, you know. I didn't start was it getting uh, humbled at Old Trafford and then mm. you know, dropping points against uh, Sheffield United mm -hmm. I think 
Lampard's learning on the job. He is, isn't he? He is. So he's going to make mistakes here or there. I think this is another game where Pop's going to be able to just slightly outwit him on a tactical front and the young, hungry English players that Chelsea are bringing through, and it's great to see them do that. Um, I think they're just going to be not quite up to the task of mm. trying to stop the world-class talent that Liverpool have. And um, when you saw the the amazing play that Firmino had yeah, set up and you see, you see the link up between them and Mane's and the goals again, everything just points to an away win for me, to be honest. I'm going to go 2-0 Liverpool. I don't think Chelsea will be awful or anything like that, but mm. I think Liverpool will will just be too classy for them on this occasion. Yeah, I, I've gone a Liverpool away one as well. I've gone two one. This is this. I I want Chelsea to do well under Lampard. I've got to say, you know, he's he's kind of got the cards he's dealt with. He's he's bleeding in the youth. Um, you know, he's he's found a couple of starlets in Abraham and Mount. Um, but I agree with you totally, Michael. I think Liverpool just have too much quality. And and you know, as as a Scotland supporter, I really enjoy seeing Andy Robertson playing well uh, in the Liverpool shirt. But uh, you know, as as much as I want Chelsea to get someone out of this game to kind of bring everybody else back in, because you know, with Liverpool five points clear, you know, if they if they get their if they continue where they're going, it's going to be very difficult to stop them. I just fancy Liverpool, and I'm going to go two one. Um, I think Chelsea will battle hard, but I just think Liverpool have too much. Hard to argue with that, really. Yeah. Uh, final game is Arsenal against Villa. Now, will Arsenal defend as badly as they did yesterday? <laughs> will they still try the short goal kick? No. And will Crazy. they realise that they're being pressed? Oh, my goodness it's, me. It's, it's just the stuff of nightmares. I've been mm. watching that. I was... I was no world-class footballer, believe you me, but what mm. I was thinking, that wouldn't have ever happened to any of the sides I played for. How the heck is it mm. happening in the Premier League? Mm-hmm. It was just diabolical stuff. I was imagining Alan Hansen sitting somewhere just swearing furiously at television screen. Um, it was uh, something that well, uh, hopefully will not be repeating again. Aston Villa, well, they, they need to start picking up points somewhere. Mm. I don't think it's going to be this one. I think Arsenal are, are going to be too good. I'll I'll go 3-1 Gunners. Yeah, I've gone 3-1 as well for the exact same reasons. I still think that Arsenal are going to concede a goal or two because that defence don't fill me with confidence, especially when you bring David Luiz in, which actually makes the defence worse, which is uh, something to behold. Um, I, I like Villa. Uh, I like John McGinn. You know, I think he's been excellent. Grealish, not kind of quite happened for him so far. I really want to see him sort of kick on a wee bit. Um, I just think Arsenal with Aubameyang, um, you know, I think we'll get a goal or two, absolutely. Um, they'll really miss Lacazette for his injury at the moment, but I think Arsenal have too much quality, so they win it 3-1 for me as here. Yeah, no, I mean, Arsenal probably should have seen the warning signs over David Luiz when Chelsea yeah. were so <laughs> desperate to sign Amazing. him. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Sorry to sell him. No, you know, no, crazy. Pretty pleased take him, and uh, nobody, nobody saw the warning signs hanging over that one, but... Yeah. But there we go. It wasn't, yeah. uh, wasn't a great bit of business by Arsenal. I'd say Lampard's more than happy to get rid of a figure that he, he didn't seem to want that much anyway. He's got him out of the squad. He's shifted him off the wage bill. Mm-hmm. And he's now Arsenal's problem. And um, he hasn't quite betted in yet, has he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that brings us pretty much to, uh, to the end of another episode of Campbell's Footballs, the only show where bad predictions are cancelled out by good crack. I hope tonight's show, or this week's show, is just what the doctor ordered. Uh, Michael, before we wrap things up, um, I want you to give me a bold prediction and a kind of slam dunk prediction for the rest of the season. This could be in the Northern Irish League or any of the other leagues we've talked about. 
bold prediction and a slam dunk prediction. So I wonder how bold we should go. Because football, unfortunately, with today's money, is <laughs> this sounds very unromantic to me. It is not as unpredictable as one would hope. Mm. Um, bold prediction, how bold is it? But I, I'd say if we're keeping it in Northern Ireland, I'd say a non-Belfast team to win the Irish Cup is probably a mm. bold prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of a tap-in, and going for a slam dunk decision of Man City to win the league Ooh, and maybe some people will say oh is that a slam dunk I think it is well, interesting because I've gone for Liverpool to win the league at the set at the start of the season but you know if City can get that act together and they did this at the end of last season didn't they where they just racked up wins left right and centre um, they could very well um, do that again um, but yeah interesting. I think your Irish uh, prediction is very interesting you know you look at a team like Larne Coleraine you know they're going to be certainly in the mix to, to win the Irish Cup um, again it all depends on the draw doesn't it well it does and Larne would love to eventually get rid of their hoodoo where they are the only side to have uh, the worst record in the Irish League they appeared in five and never won one so yeah. they have uh, they're, they're the most losingest team to borrow the direct um, and, and never pick up a win on it so you never know maybe it's, this be their season I, some people are backing them to win the league mm. not yet for my liking no, I agree. but uh, they, they yeah. can easily offer the trophy no, absolutely and that's certainly well certainly we certainly hope that they have a good run along with a lot of the other teams uh, in the Irish Cup as always uh, thanks very much for listening to um, Campbell's Footballs uh, you can follow the podcast on SoundCloud uh, you can also follow me, uh, Grant Campbell, or otherwise known as Stato Grant on Stato underscore Grant on Twitter. You can follow me, uh, Campbell's Footballs on Facebook, and you can follow me on Instagram at StatoG91. Michael, I've got to say thank you very much for joining me to record this podcast. No, it's always been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks very much, and until next time, bye for now.